crossing my fingers that the telephone doesn't ring through this because um, there's no other staff on site right now. So I might have to like pause. And that's totally okay. I'm sure someone will knock on my door at least once. Okay. Okay. This is Karina Reynolds and you're listening to Paper Cuts. So Karina, thank you again for taking the time to be a guest once again on Paper Cuts. It's been a few years. Yeah, I'm really excited. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. And you're joining us from the Center for Book Arts. I am at Center for Book Arts in New York City right now. Yeah, where you are currently the director. I am the executive director here, yes. How many years has that been now? Uh, I guess it's been just over three years now. Wow. Seems like forever and no time at all. Yeah, I'm sure. And you've been doing a whole lot in those past three years. I know you have a big launch coming up with a book art review. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Over the last three years, we have been doing an incredible amount of programming, um, focusing on education and uh, exhibitions, residencies. And through all of that, we have been trying really hard to engage with new audiences and expand the way that we think about artist books and book arts, um, really trying to reach out to our fellow artist publishers and get them engaged. And uh, something that's been really fascinating over the last year and a half during the pandemic is that we've completely shifted our education model to be, um, you know, primarily pay what you wish. So oh. our classes are now a lot more accessible and we're seeing people taking classes on bookbinding or printing from all over the world. Uh, you know, we've seen people tuning in from Cuba. We've seen people tuning in from Korea and, you know, just, I mean, really all over the place. So part of that international engagement, um, I guess, instigated our wanting to start Book Art Review. Um, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I feel like there's not uh, very many homes for good art book criticism and uh, documented writings. Yeah, absolutely. So I feel like this is definitely filling a very large gap. Yeah, well, uh, I guess it was, was it early this year or, or the end of last year when the only publication dedicated to reviewing artist books in the US uh, stopped? That was the Journal of Artist Books, which we all knew and loved. Yeah. Um, they shut their doors after, gosh, how many issues was it? So I think over 30. Um, and so we felt there was a real void in criticism for artist books. And we decided to take up the project. Uh, we were super fortunate to receive a Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts Fellowship to do a little research about artist book criticism and you know, why it has lagged behind some of the criticism in other fields. Um, and earlier this year, we had a series of convening sessions um, in conjunction with the Contemporary Artist Book Conference and Printed, Mat Printed Matters Virtual Art Book Fair uh, to, to address those questions of why is this something that, uh, you know, it, I mean, 
there are lots of great source books that have been published. There are a lot of exhibition catalogs that have been published. When it, but when it comes to critically reviewing and writing about artist books and book art in general, um, there really isn't much out there. So, you know, me and my two collaborators, uh, Megan and Liberty and David Solo, have been talking a while uh, about, you know, how do we how do we change things? How do we inspire people to do more writing? And through this convening, we were able to identify a few things that we thought would really help. Um, one of them is that there are almost zero paid opportunities to publish critical writing about artist books. Yeah. Okay, here we go. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> Center for Book Art. that our book criticism has lied behind that there's almost zero paid opportunities for for writers yeah um so you know a lot of artist book criticism publications um internationally and also from the past have been uh academic peer-reviewed journals and um part of that is um you know that the writer is not getting paid and uh so you know, it really forces young arts writers who are interested in this field, um, you know, or interested in the subject uh, to just either publish their writing for free or to switch to a different subject where there's there are more paid opportunities. Um, you know, uh, arts publications like Art Forum and Art in America don't often dedicate space um, to writing critical reviews of artist books or exhibitions yeah. of artist books. And, you know, since those paid opportunities just aren't there, you know, we end up with a really uh, lean uh, <laughs> uh, and, and narrow group of people writing about artist books. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that we identified during the convenings was that a lot of arts writers who were taking on the job of writing about artist books and book art didn't really have a clear grasp of the history of artist books and the history of book art. Um, you know, they, they have that great foundation in general art history, painting, photography, sculpture. They have yeah. a great lay of the land when it comes to all of those things. But when it, you know, comes down to talking about historical precedents within book art, they have a really hard time coming up with, you know, anything other than Ed Ruscha yeah. and, you know, and a, and a handful of other artists. But so we really found that there was a lack of education around the history, as well as the terminology, structures, processes, and even understanding, um, you know, what kind of roles people take on and who plays a role within the production of book art and an artist book. Okay, one more time. Okay. Um, I think we were talking about uh, 
the lack of historical knowledge of the history of artists books and also the roles that people take on at, in book production? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, a lot of the books that do end up getting reviewed are, you know, um, uh, books that are either funded by a gallery or published by a major publisher. And, you know, I think that a lot of the people who are writing these reviews don't understand that there are many different people that touch those books. So there is yeah. the artist, but then often there's also a designer and there's often um, an editor. And sometimes with photo books, the artist isn't doing the sequencing of the photos even, um, yeah. or the placement or the size or the juxtaposition. And so, you know, helping writers to understand, um, you know, the questions to ask, to figure out like, you know, who, who, is, make, who is making these decisions and, and are these decisions intentional by the artist? And, you know, cause I think that the intention behind the way a, a book is made as well as, you know, the relationship or the authorship or assigning authorship yeah. is something that's really important when thinking about artist books and trying to um, discern if something is, you know, really good or, or um, could use improvement. Yeah. Um, so with the book art review, um, how is this going to be put out into the world? Is this a website? Is it a magazine? Is it all of the above? Um, it is both. Uh, so it's actually a, a kind of like multi-pronged effort. The magazine is going to come out twice a year. Uh, it's a print magazine. And uh, if you are a member of Center for Book Arts, you will get a free annual subscription. Um, wow. Yeah, so just something to uh, consider, uh, maybe joining as a member. But we also sell uh, subscriptions, um, you know, on their own. And uh, a, a majority of the content will also be available online on our website um, at centerforbookarts.org slash BAR. And um, the other effort that we are working on is a series of seminars for arts writers to learn how to better write about artist books. So it'll give them kind of an introduction to what is an artist book, what are the various types of book art, um, how do you find them, how do you talk about them physically and process-wise, um, giving an overview of the history, and then working with a cohort of other writers to, um, you know, develop writing and do that in tandem with some hands-on learning. Um, so That's that should be really yeah, huge. And also yeah. one of the other things that I think is really important about that seminar is um, also giving like an introduction to how to pitch so that at the end of the seminar, the writer won't be limited by, you know, only being able to get something published in a book art review um, sort of publication, but that they can also go out to Brooklyn Rail or they can go out yeah. to, you um, the uh, you know to art forum and get something published there. Uh, so trying to kind of like push outwards a little bit and and empower the writers to be able to um, do what they need. Well, that's great. It's like you're helping to facilitate the thing that you want to see happen under your own roof, but then also give people the tools to push out into the larger art field and actually start reviewing art books in other places. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I. It must be like 
really rewarding for you to see some of these efforts that you're that you started off with uh, with the Center for Book Arts start to happen and materialize. So the Book Arts Review, but also like as you mentioned through the pandemic, being able to offer uh, new types of classes and keeping things moving online, different forms of presentation. And I'm sure that with your history as uh, an artist publisher, being able to reach out to the larger community of artist publishers to bring them more fully into the programming and the efforts of the Center for Book Arts. I know you've been here officially for three years and half that time has been during a pandemic. Um, are you able to take a, a step back at all and like understand what's been, what, what you've been working towards and see the results? <laughs> That's a great question, Chris. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, I think hearing you say that half my time at Center for Book Arts now has been in a pandemic is, uh, that just hit me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, this was not what I was anticipating when I took the job. Um, and I think it is really interesting to consider the ways that we've all had to pivot over the last 18 months yeah. to be able to, you know, change the way we deliver programs, to be able to change the way we communicate, to be able to change the way we um, work. <laughs> and yeah, it is really interesting when I look back at, you know, where Center for Book Arts was when I, stepped into this role three years ago, um, you know, just being in this space here, I think gives me a lot of satisfaction to see um, the artists who are working in the studios on a daily basis and to be able to interact with the residents. Um, it is, it, it definitely gives you a different type of perspective to, to interact with the people who are benefiting directly from from the programs that you're doing, which, you know, has only in the last few months started to really happen again at CBA, where yeah. all of our programs had been virtual for the last 18 months. And now finally, people are starting to slowly trickle back into the space. And we're all starting to get more connected and to see the impact of all the work that we've been doing over the last three years. That's great. I, I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> me too. <laughs> um. But before you came into the Center for Book Arts, you had uh, your your press and publishing and production uh, company, Small Editions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started Small Editions with a friend of mine, Kimberly McClure, back in 2012. It was a book bindery and artist book publisher. And, you know, over that time we published with a ton of artists yeah. um, focusing on the intersection of content and material and structure. And we did that through doing commission-based work for the general public, large companies, sometimes other artists um, as a way of funding those um, art publishing projects that we were doing. And I think it really did give me an interesting background for coming into my role at Center for Book Arts. Because um, I think I really was able to, I mean, prior to that, also being a practicing artist, um, I think I really have empathy with the 
trials that so many artists have to go through, you know, trying to figure out like, how do I make this thing that I want to make? How do I get people to look at it? How do I sell it? How do I make my studio practice sustainable? Um, so I think I'm like in a way uniquely positioned to support artists um, because of that experience. And at the same time, um, I think, you know, being involved with small editions for so long, uh, I think I really got to know the, the artist book publishing community in New York and internationally. And I, I think that's just feeling like now at Center for Book Arts, I'm able to, you know, better support all of those people, all of my friends, the, the, the larger community of people who are working with artist books and book art. Um, that's really satisfying. And, you know, I guess it was right before the pandemic, uh, at the beginning of 2020, when I ended up passing small editions off to um, Hannah Pierce, the new proprietor. And yeah. so I am so proud and happy to see this thing that Kimberly and I created, uh, you know, almost 10 years ago now, um, you know, to see that continuing to flourish and continuing to support artists. Yeah, that's incredible. I feel like so often we see publishing projects that are started by artists with a finite timeline. Right? They, they have a lifespan, which is great. Yeah. Um, but not so frequently do you see these things like take on a, another life after the founders really leave. So that must be incredibly satisfying and yeah. wonderful for you to be on, like more of a spectator on the outside to see these books come out from small editions. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, being a executive director of a nonprofit, I am acutely aware of the relationship between the founder and the, uh, you know, whoever <laughs> is running the organization in the future. And so I've been, um, trying to let Hannah take it in her own direction and to just, you know, take off without um, interfering at all. So um, I'm just so impressed with everything she's done and the ways that she's grown and um, continued to evolve the organization. And the small additions still in the space in Red Hook? No, uh, they moved over, uh, still in Brooklyn, but closer to the Brooklyn Navy Yard. So it's, uh, I think they're on Grand Street. Um, yeah, it's a really great spot. Uh, interesting to see all of those old tools and things like that uh, reconfigured in a new, uh, a new orientation. So when you and Kimberly started Small Editions in 2012, can you give me a bit of a sense of what your what your mindset was? Like, where where was Karina Reynolds? What did you want to do? Yeah, what, like, uh, set of like <laughs> ideas on fire were in your brain. We were like, no, we're going to make our own books. Yeah, I um, so at that time, I had recently moved to New York and was um, you know fresh out of graduate school and. I was making art, I had a really active studio practice, was having shows, and Kimberly and I had both had a strong history in the book arts. We studied with Michelle Burgess and Bill Kelly down at San Diego State University in Southern California. 
and they gave us a, a strong foundation in, you know, producing additions and um, in, you know, uh, I guess kind of understanding what the full scope of of the book arts could be. Yeah. And so when so, we moved, mm -hmm. sorry to interrupt, but you were in grad school at San Diego State University, so that would have been like you would have graduated in like 2011, 2012? Well, actually, I that I was in graduate school at Cranbrook. Um, okay. And I went to graduate school for textiles, um, which oh, is completely wow. different, but also very similar. Um, but yeah, I graduated in 2011. Um, and yeah, I, I, think, I think that really the thing, there are a couple things that you know, there's that foundation in the book arts that Kimberly and I both had. Um, and then we also both went to Cranbrook. And I think the connection to um, a respect for craft and production. And, um, you know, while I was there, I worked in the library with Judy Dykey. And I, you know, worked in the archives and got to know, um, you know, about the private press publishing that was happening at Cranbrook. And so when the two of us moved to New York and we were, you know, doing our, you know, respective jobs or hustles or whatever we were doing, um, you know, we had these skills and the appreciation for the craft of, of bookmaking that seemed like, I don't know, it seemed like the, just the obvious path. Like that was the way that we wanted to exist within the world um, was through publishing and producing books. And I think part of um, why we started small editions in the first place was to provide access to ourselves with, um, you know, for this specific types of equipment and tools and materials that we needed to produce books. Um, you know, a lot of the, the tools and equipment that you need for bookmaking are huge, like a guillotine um, to trim stacks of paper and uh, a board shear for cutting the, the hard cover boards that go inside of book covers and, um, you know, foil stamping press and all kinds of other things. So, you know, we thought, how can we create a studio for ourselves where we can make our own work? And, um, you know, I think that was our, our first goal. And we were really surprised at how well we were able to do that, um, you know, by taking on commission-based work. And I think it was like within a year, we were able to start really renting a studio space and purchase our first board shear and buy a guillotine. And, you know, it, it all happened really quickly. Um, yeah. It's amazing that we were able to do all of that with zero startup capital. Uh, <laughs> we just kind of like <laughs> built a website and, and made it happen. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, and so and very early on, publishing became a big part of that. So I think we published our first book with Cheryl Oppenheim, and and then continued to work with artists on a regular and increasing basis as small editions continued to grow and as we were able to better support our lives and studio practices. Um, we felt that you know any sort of profits that we started to see from the 
production side of things or the commission-based work we were doing, we were just reinvesting directly into publishing artist books. Um, That's incredible. So it's like, was also uh, like a through line in the way that you've been working within artist books is also this like generally and genuinely being very active within the community. So being able to support artists through publishing, you did a series of like bookbinding workshops with Babs during those fairs. You've been really active with the printed matter art book fairs mm -hmm. uh, while you're at small editions and trying to bring that now through the Center for Book Arts to really approach like a, a new audience and, and grow the audience which is already sizable for that institution. Yeah, and also to try and create programs that are satisfying and valuable for a broader audience. So, you know, this year we took over um, managing the Contemporary Artist Book Conference and, um, you know, our going forwards, really trying to find ways to, um, you know, broaden the dialogue around this art form, to open it up, to use language that is more accessible, that's less, you know, I mean, we're trying to remove the academic, uh, you know, barriers that have been surrounding this medium for so long. Good. I also <laughs> feel like that's very important. <laughs> um there's also like a, a funny thing with book arts where i feel like so many it is very communal or community oriented mm -hmm. like with all these things that we just mentioned that we're that we're all part of um but we're also spending a lot of solo time just like folding paper <laughs> yeah um, well that's, that's what's so interesting about our studios here it's like i think similar to printmaking workshops i mean we do have a print we have a printing workshop, but you know, everyone has a table and they're all folding paper, sewing paper, you know, or you know, designing something, etc. And uh, you know, you're doing that solo activity, but you're also doing it in a room with so many other people. And so there's something yeah. really beautiful about that like quiet communal work but then also like the way that you influence each other um something that I, I I always did at small editions and something that I really appreciate about Center for Book Arts is the ability to have the artwork around you influencing the work that you're doing so yeah. at small editions we would have these um exhibitions of contemporary artworks and they weren't necessarily artist books you know they were you know sometimes works by painters or installation artists or performance artists and by having our book bindery in the middle of these exhibitions you know we found that we came up with like really creative solutions and that in inspired our publishing and the same is kind of happening here at center for book arts but in reverse where the artwork is now in the center of the studios. Um, we have the galleries in the center of the studios and that you see that affecting all of the artists who are working here, the artists and residents who come through, um, you know, students who are taking classes. It's just so cool to see that relationship um, between the broader visual art world and this kind of like community of artists who are working within the book form. Yeah, I, that's that's pretty amazing. 
I just love how that can that can actually happen. And you know, the spatial concerns are really important. And centering the, the gallery is a good way to, to show that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when you were at San Diego State University, did you go there like knowing you wanted to study book arts or did that just kind of happen? And uh, also, sorry, part two of this question, are you from the San Diego area? Um, I'm from Los Angeles, but actually, yeah, I spent a lot of time in San Diego growing up. And when I started at San Diego State, I knew I wanted to be in the arts, um, but I did not have any idea that the book arts really existed. Um, I ended up taking that, I, I ended up taking a letterpress class. Um, I audited it because some other class that I was taking, I walked into the classroom on the first day and the instructor was like, okay, we're gonna spend the entire semester making pot holders. And, and they're like, the assigned textbook is Stitch and Bitch. And, you know, Stitch and Bitch is great, right? Yeah. But I mean, come on. And so <laughs> I dropped that class and, um, you know, picked whatever seemed uh, the next most interesting thing that had an opening. And that was Letterpress with Bill Kelly. And uh, that's when I met Kimberly uh, that I started Small Editions with. And at the same time, that's when I really learned about the book arts. Um, I started setting type, printing letterpress. Um, I very quickly started working at um, his and Ms. Michelle Burgess's uh, artist book press uh, called Brighton Press in San Diego. Um, and, you know, we visited the special collections of the library at San Diego State, which has a lot of unbelievable books, but some great books by Claire Van Vliet, who I've always loved. Um, so I think that was kind of the seed. They planted yeah. the seed, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What, what years were you in San Diego for? Um, I was at San Diego State from 2005 to 2011. Okay. Um, and I stayed involved with the university um, for the next two years until I went to Cranbrook. So I was kind wow. of working as like a shop tech support in the print shop. And I was working for Brighton Press. And yeah, so we, we totally overlapped in San Diego. Oh, really? Yeah, I went to UC San Diego. Amazing. For grad school, wow. yeah, from 2009 to 2012. Wow, I had no idea. Yeah, you'd think that like San Diego is not huge. You think that no, for like not. two book artists, we probably like should have been hanging out at some point. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my life at that time was like so different. I was waiting tables and uh, you know going to the beach every morning and and then like spending a lot of time by myself in the studio making books. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean there's incredible things that you can do when you're in San Diego, like just go to the beach in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Easily go to the beach in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. It was like Black's Beach was maybe a 20 minute walk from my studio at UC San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. That was um, my like problem solving walk. I actually had a dream recently about Black Speech. Oh, really? <laughs> but um, I have always wanted to go hang gliding and I've never done it. And there's that like hang gliding airport, right? Yeah. Right there. Yeah, the glider port. 
Yeah, the glider port. The glider port. Uh, I, so I had a dream that I was hang gliding over Black's Beach. <laughs> <laughs> Closest to a flying dream I've ever had in my entire life. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had zero desire to do that. Ah. My, uh, my fear of heights would prevent me from doing that. But I would really love to just get a cup of coffee and like watch people like jump off the cliff and like gently glide back. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what were some of like the books that you're working on then? I'm, I'm just, I'm curious about like uh, the processes or structures that you were, that you found to be interesting and how that like dovetailed into actually publishing and producing like larger editions for people or if it did. Yeah, I, so at that time when I was in San Diego, I was really interested in letterpress and woodcut. Those were my two main focuses. And I had this weird idea that I would um, publish a, a, an art, public, uh, art criticism publication in letterpress. That was like when I first was learning. <laughs> then I quickly realized that that would be insane. Um, so the book art review is not going to be letterpress? Not going to be letterpress. I know. It's so sad. I, uh, I won't cancel my membership, but okay. I yeah. think it's good I that we just make sure that people know. As, a, as the executive director of Center for Book Arts, you know, I have other things that are more important to do than handsetting type for a uh, semi-annual uh, art review publication. But um, yeah, so that was like a weird, uh, weird idea. And I, I don't think I ever published any criticism that way, but um, I did end up producing from the very beginning, like pretty much working to produce editions. Um, so, you know, everything I was making was an edition of like five to 20 and, um, you know, working like, doing all the images as woodcuts, some intaglio, hand setting the type, um, and structurally, I was like, you know, I had learned like how to make a hardcover book, how to do leather binding, how to, um, you know, various single sheet structures and, and stuff like that. But I really had this idea that I wanted to just create my own bindings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, you know, making a lot of weird stuff that didn't make a lot of sense. Um, wow. But uh, so, yeah, those early books are really weird. <laughs> well, I hope you still have those somewhere. I think I, I think I do. Maybe they're at my parents' house. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you, now that you are the director of Center for Book Arts, are you able to use facilities at all? Or are you, do you have time for yourself? to hold up a practice? I do not. Um, <laughs> I wish I did. Uh, it's really more than a full-time job. And um, yeah, I, I mean, I think that I consider Center for Book Arts and um, Book Art Review to be my creative practice. Yeah. Um, I really think about community building and um, you know the relationships that we build with uh, through programming and um, you know 
the networks of support that we're forming for the book art community as a form of creative practice. And I think it was with small editions that I first started thinking about things that way. Um, because, you know, as I mentioned, when I first started, small editions was there to support my creative practice. And there was a period, maybe it was about halfway through um, or halfway through my time there. So maybe it was about four years in where, you know, I was building these like huge uh, installation pieces and um, performance works and making videos. And I was renting this studio and at the same time, and I was having shows. And at the same time, uh, small editions was growing and we were, I was getting a lot of satisfaction from working with artists. And I, I started to realize that the kind of like force for good that I could have as someone who is organizing and supporting was so much greater than um, what I could do on my own as an individual artist. And at that point I decided that I would make small editions my creative practice. And so I, I did the same thing when I came here. Yeah, yeah I think that's like, such an important thing to think of is like publishing as practice and also like what community-based work actually does entail. As, yeah. a, as a creative practice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's been, you know, people are starting to accept this now, but I, I think it's it's been hard to convince people for a while that, um, you know, publishing is an aspect of the book arts, that, you know, you can't just say that the book arts includes bookbinding and printing and, um, you know, paper treatment, but that, publishing is a very important and integral practice within the book arts. And that's true also, I think, for maybe what Center for Book Arts does on a whole. Yeah, yeah, yeah I would say so. Mm -hmm. Cool. Well, um, Karina, I think that's actually like a really good stopping point, probably. Cool. Um, but thank you so much for spending some time with me and tell me a little bit more about your, about your history and your work. And thank you for your work. Yeah. And great to see like what you've done with the center since you since you've been there. Thank you so much, Christopher. It's been so satisfying to be here and really absolutely wonderful to talk with you and just to have you as a, a friend and colleague in the community. Thank you. Likewise. We'll be up to New York sometime soon. Yeah, I hope so too. <laughs>